sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pro-Life America podcast. I am your host, Sarah Waits, and I'm joined by Sheila Crutcher, Mark Crutcher's daughter, and my new co-host. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. We apologize for being away last week. We had a technical issue, but mm-hmm. as far as we know, everything's all solved, and we're mm-hmm. ready to kick off this week. Mm-hmm. Hence this episode. <laughs> Hence this episode. We're going to take the topic that we had planned for last week, and we're going to do it this week. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to step away from a news focus and go back to doing something that we've done a lot on this podcast, where we talk about the talking points mm-hmm. and the rhetoric of the pro-choice side. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to be talking about a theme that I think is really well covered in a movie mm-hmm. that I really like called Hot Fuzz. It is a British movie. It is a British movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of quirky, like us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and do this without revealing as many spoilers mm-hmm. as we can. But in general, there's this really good police officer. He's, mm-hmm. he's always on the ball and he's got a lot of arrests. And so because he's making them look bad, they give him a promotion and ship him off to a country town in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. in England. A small village. Small village. And there are some deaths that happen. And he's mm-hmm. convinced that there's a bigger thing happening a here. A b- bigger conspiracy. That these-, these people are murdered. They're not just dying in accidents, as everybody else believes that they right. are. So it culminates with him confronting the killer or errs, Mm -hmm. try not to (laughs) give anything away, but the killer basically gives the rationale of the people died for the greater good. Mm -hmm. It was to protect the integrity of the village. Yeah, to protect the village and the reputation. When the cop was talking to the killer, there was this kind of chant that would be done by the mm-hmm. killer that was the greater good, the greater good, you right. know, like a cult like champ. And when you think about it, the pro-choice side, mm-hmm. they focus a lot of their arguments on the greater good. Right. And it's almost mm-hmm. like a cult like mentality. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, it's OK to kill the unborn because of this or this reason. The ends justify the means. Right. For me, looking at it. They can say, oh, it's good intentions all they want. Oh, it's okay because in the end, something good will come of it. Well, that doesn't justify it. It's an excuse for immoral behavior. If you're given enough time and enough put enough thought into it, you can rationalize so many actions and behaviors. Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean they're right. You can just no. rationalize them in their head. Exactly. And to give you an example of what we're talking about, we're going to give you just a few of the greater good isms that mm-hmm. the pro-choice side really focuses on. And the biggest and I think the most prominent theme of the greater good isms that the pro-choice side is always referring to is women's health, mm-hmm. right? They argue that we need abortion to keep women safe and mm-hmm. keep it, them healthy because if it's not, that they're going to go into some shady place and die mm-hmm. from coat hangers. The back alley abortion myth. And now they've even extended it nowadays to the whole argument and the whole lie of having an abortion and safer than childbirth even. Yeah. And so, oh, giving birth is terrible. Pregnancy is terrible. It's killing women. 
we have to have these abortions to keep women safe. And yeah. In fact, they're even going so far as to putting up billboards. There was a new mm-hmm. billboard that went up outside of Orlando Airport that was warning travelers about Florida's abortion policies. Mm-hmm. The billboard reads, turn around. Ron DeSantis is attacking your reproductive rights. Head to Michigan for patient doctor medical decisions. It features... A abortionist, Dr. Tim Johnson, an OBGYN in Ann Arbor, Michigan, who also happens to provide, surprise, surprise, abortions. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because like a whole bunch this of... This is not a warning. This is an advertisement well, for it, this doctor. It is an advertisement. It's like a whole bunch of women going on vacation in Florida to get abortions. No, they're going on vacation in Florida for vacation. Not, oh, I'm going to go to Florida for abortion. So, so let's cover some of the lies and errors of this greater good mm-hmm. argument. First off, we hear abortion supporters saying that there are women who have to get abortions for health reasons. Hmm. Lozier Institute reports that the percent of women who get abortions because of risk to her life is 0.2%. It's a very, very small percentage. And even a number of doctors will say that to preserve the life, abortion is not necessarily the solution to that, that there are many ways Mm -hmm. that they can handle that. But let's talk about legalized abortion in women's health. The pro-choice side is consistently ignoring the women who are being killed in Mm -hmm. these, quote, quote, safe and legal abortion clinics. We have a website, which has actually now been merged into our Life Dynamics Mm -hmm. website. But if you still go to safeandlegal.com, it'll take you to the Women Betrayed section of our Life Dynamics Mm -hmm. website. There is a list, and this list is only a tiny fraction Mm -hmm. of the women who've been killed. If you read Lime 5, the first chapter, it covers deaths and Mm -hmm. injuries and how they occur within these procedures. Mm -hmm. There's nothing safe about an abortion. And plus, it only shows a small percentage because the medical community tries to classify it as death for other reasons. They don't want to classify it as death by abortion. Yeah, and what she's referring to, we have an episode about this where we really dive into it, but basically the way that the CDC historically Mm -hmm. has reported abortion, and there is nothing honest about it. They cook the books. Yeah, and this is not even including the suspected link between abortion and breast cancer Mm -hmm. and the studies that have come out on that, not just by people who happen to be pro-life, but pro-choice researchers have come across this. Mm -hmm. Independent researchers. And, of course, the abortion industry covers all of that up. Continuing on this, let's go into the back alley abortion Mm -hmm. deal. The fact is, virtually every study on this subject has concluded that the deaths and injuries due to illegal abortion have been wildly exaggerated. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of illegal abortions were done by licensed doctors who were simply breaking the law. Mm -hmm. And they had to be cautious about what they were doing because a woman turning up dead Mm -hmm. from what looked like injuries due to an abortion would bring trouble to their front door. Right. So they had to be very careful. And to prove that this is not just speculation or the rantings of quote, quote, loony pro-lifers, figures released in 1986 by the Alan Guttmacher Institute, who mm-hmm. is connected to Planned Parenthood, research arm, showed that in the 15 years prior to the legalization of abortion, the average w- number of women dying from illegal abortion in the entire United States was 136 per mm-hmm. year and dropping. Yeah. The American Medical Association says that in 1950, the number of women dying from illegal abortions in the U.S. was 263, so a little bit of difference, but not tons. 
but had dropped to 119 by 1970. Mm -hmm. They added that abortion deaths were declining long before abortion laws became less restrictive. Mm -hmm. And the CDC pointed out that beginning in 1940, the death rate from abortion was falling faster than the overall maternal mortality rate. Mm -hmm. So millions of women were not falling down in the streets, Mm -hmm. dying from the Coat hanger, illegal abortions. Right. But I mean, they want it to seem as dramatic as possible Mm -hmm. to make sure that the public or at least some people in the public fall for the abortion is good rhetoric. Well, and like I say, the cult like mentality of them, you will constantly see them brandishing coat hangers in their protests. Mm -hmm. There have been coat hanger art with the little thing. Never Mm -hmm. again. I've seen even pro-choice coat hanger tattoos that people have done. These people are obsessed with coat hangers. And like I say, it's a cult because Mm -hmm. nothing can be further from the truth. Yeah. But they choose not to see the truth in order to try to justify abortion. And that just goes along with the overall theme of their argument that abortion helps the economy. You hear this argument even more nowadays because of inflation and with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. In fact, the current U.S. Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, just recently said that abortion restrictions would have, quote, very damaging effects on the economy. She went on to say that it would keep some women from completing education Mm -hmm. and reducing their lifetime earnings potential. That it would set women back decades. I mean, number one, putting the economy over life is despicable. If you're going to justify killing people Mm -hmm. in order for a better economy, what's then to stop them from coming around and saying, well, you know what? Mm -hmm. We need to do off with the elderly population because they're not putting any money into the system and they're just constantly sick and we have to pay for their health care. That's what's happening in other countries. That's Mm -hmm. what's happening with the terminally ill, those with chronic diseases, you're seeing that in Canada and European countries. And so that's one of the ends justifies the means reason. But what she's saying is not true anyway. Mm -hmm. There was a 2013 study that found that women reported financial reasons for abortions only 40% of the time. Mm -hmm. 60% had nothing to do with finances. Right. In Mm -hmm. fact, One in five women, which is about 20%, reported that they chose abortion because they felt that a baby this time would interfere with your future goals and opportunities Mm -hmm. in general. So again, it's about my wants versus a life. Again, referencing what my dad would always say, a lot of times it's just women not wanting to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's not anything to do with the child or anything. It's them literally just not wanting to be pregnant. And another argument that goes along with it helps the economy is that abortion has a favorable impact on children. They literally say that abortion (laughs) has a favorable impact on children. I mean, what about the children that it kills? It doesn't have a favorable impact on those children. But they go on to say that it reduces the number of children living in poverty. When we say, we're oh, we're we're reducing the number Mm -hmm. of children living in poverty, what you're not giving them a choice is between a life in poverty and a life Mm -hmm. not in poverty. It's saying, oh, if you're going to be in poverty, that's okay. We'll just kill you instead. Now you don't have to deal with poverty. Mm -hmm. Don't you feel better? People live in poverty now all the time. That doesn't mean you can't have a meaningful life just because you know you're poor yeah Yeah. all that aside poverty Mm -hmm. is not a justification for killing someone and let's imagine for a second 
that there was a father, Mm -hmm. a single father. He had lost his job. Mm -hmm. He had not been able to find a new job. So he's constantly unemployed and he's Mm -hmm. in poverty. So he decides he can't afford her anymore. So Mm -hmm. he kills her. Yeah. Because would we say, oh, well, he couldn't afford her. Yeah. Or she would be living in poverty. She would be living in poverty. And now he can go out. He may be Mm -hmm. able to find a job because he's not Mm -hmm. tied to his parental responsibilities. And then he can just have another kid later. He can just. Yeah. yeah. Would we turn around and just say, oh, no big deal. Yeah. What's the difference? What is the difference between a five-year-old and an unborn child? There's not. But to these people, they try to justify it. But again, these people are eugenicists. That's why they send so-called medical aid, which is really birth control and abortion pills and stuff to these African countries is because they want to eliminate them. I'm glad you brought up the eugenics aspect of this because I want to refer people back to something that happened a few years back when Obamacare Mm -hmm. had been passed and there was the controversy with that and there was this hearings, congressional hearings relating to how Obamacare came to be and some of the stuff that happened with that. Mm -hmm. Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey asked Jonathan Gruber, who was one of the driving forces behind the creation and passage of Obamacare, but he asked him about a paper that he had written in which Gruber discussed how many billions of dollars the government had saved itself by legalizing abortion. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, this is the same person who helped design Obamacare. Right, which is a step towards socialized medicine. In the paper, his position was that legalized abortion has allowed our country to kill off the children of the poor, therefore Mm -hmm. creating a higher quality of life for those who are still living. (laughs) In one of his previous writings, he described the victims of abortion as, quote, marginal children Mm -hmm. and referred to the process of eliminating them as positive selection. Now, where Mm -hmm. do we know that term from? It's eugenics. Mm -hmm. It is. He wouldn't answer what positive selection means, but we all know what it means. Yeah, I mean, it's Marxism, eugenics, Darwinism. I mean, there's a reason why all of these things are connected. And that's why you're seeing them push the slew of articles that has come out since the overturn of Roe. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to read a few headlines for you. Okay. States with abortion bans are among least supportive for mothers and children. New York Times. Low-wage workers bear financial brunt of denied abortions. AP News. Abortion restrictions will disproportionately burden low-income Americans. The Hill. And my absolute favorite, Washington Post. Abortion bans hurt poor and black women most. They're trying to twist the truth. That's what they're doing. And we have found and proved in our racial targeting Mm -hmm. report that the vast majority of abortion clinics are strategically located Mm -hmm. in minority neighborhoods. Yeah, and... The African-American community has been targeted for abortion. And that includes Planned Parenthoods, too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all of their arguments on the economy and stuff are mute because abortion actually hurts the economy. We're going through what's called the demographic winter, which is already seen in places like Japan and places in Europe. And now it's happening here. Mm-hmm. We're having falling birth rates. Uh, if it wasn't for immigration, mm-hmm. we would be undergoing some of the stuff that right. the, many of those European countries are going through. Right. I and mean, we had a really good episode on that. I'll put the link in the description so you can go mm-hmm. listen to it and see what we're talking about. Yeah, because we're not being able to replace the death rate. And so you have fewer workers 
fewer people are who are helping to take care of the elderly. And tax um, dollars. Mm-hmm. This is just a fact. Having mm-hmm. babies helps simulate the economy. People buy more goods and services. Baby stuff is expensive, let's be honest. But even as those people who have been born age, mm-hmm. they're buying products. Right. They're paying taxes. Mm-hmm. They're putting money into the system. Right. Our social welfare programs and social security mm-hmm. was meant for a huge number of people who are for the most part healthy mm-hmm. and working and contributing money into the Putting system money into the system and that money being taken out by a small number of people mm-hmm. who had more issues and more financial needs to take that money out right and so it made sense under that demographic mm-hmm. but now right. that's not what we have anymore it has to be a balance you mm-hmm. can't have more people that are older than you do younger people speaking of healthy and unhealthy One of the greater good arguments that we hear is about children with disabilities. And this, I think, is probably one of the ones that makes me the most upset. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're talking about not only people with like Down syndrome, but other health issues and stuff as well. How can somebody go around and say, we should abort them because that's compassion? Mm -hmm. Children with disabilities and people with Down syndrome and stuff, they can live meaningful lives. And what are we to tell them, oh, your life has no meaning because you have this problem or this problem. It's also telling people that their lives are not as valuable Mm -hmm. as ours because they don't meet our idea Mm -hmm. of what they should be. And these are the same people that call for so-called equality or progressivism. Meanwhile, they're saying, oh, well, we should just kill, you know, this baby over here because of some DNA test that they had. And here's the issue, because it doesn't just stop there. You know, these kind of beliefs evolve. Mm -hmm. And it leads to situations like what's going on right now in other countries Mm -hmm. where the governments can order Mm -hmm. people to be removed from life support or withdrawal of nutrition and hydration Mm -hmm. because they feel like they're too expensive and they're not going to get any better. Despite the parents' wishes, and in some cases we've seen other governments, even Mm -hmm. the Pope, trying to arrange transport for a patient out of that country to receive specialist care overseas, not on Mm -hmm. taxpayer dollars, and the government be like, no. Right. We've covered cases like that on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, a bunch of cases have popped up in the UK recently with children, but I mean, now it's even happening with adults. There's a case in Canada of this person who has to use a wheelchair, and they were trying to get a wheelchair and ramp and stuff Mm -hmm. and the canadian government was like well why don't you just do assisted suicide instead we don't want to have to pay for this have to pay for your health care does your life have any meaning while you just do assisted suicide instead it's like your dad say it is a bastardization of compassion Mm -hmm. it's not compassion if you look underneath the surface all this this is really being pushed by eugenicists Mm -hmm. We have a number of quotes on our website about this, but there's a quote from Joseph Fletcher, who claims to be a professor of ethics Mm -hmm. at Harvard Divinity School. He wrote this in a book called Infanticide and the Value of Life. (laughs) It says, it is reasonable to describe infanticide as postnatal abortion. Infanticide is actually a very humane thing when you're dealing with misbegotten infants. We might have to encourage it under certain conditionalities of excess population, especially when you're dealing with defective children. Yeah. 
To these people, people are just things and it's to fine. be discarded when they're no longer useful to them. And it's fine because they personally are not called defective. And no, their children yeah, are not and defective. Their children yeah. aren't defective. It's fine because like everybody else might be defective, but they're not. So it's okay. And also what this leads to is we've seen a country, I believe it was Iceland, mm-hmm. who was boasting about how they eliminated Down syndrome, mm-hmm. not via any cures and medical discoveries, but by abortion. And related to this is the unwanted children greater good argument, right? Mm-hmm. Without abortion, we'll have all these unwanted children. And what, mm-hmm. they, what they say is they're going to live these gloom and doom lives, according to right. them. They've shaken their magic eight ball, mm-hmm. and it has come up unfavorable. If we look specifically at child abuse, right, they'll say unwanted children are going to be abused. Mm-hmm. In 1980, Professor Edward Lenoski at the University of Southern California studied over 600 cases of child abuse. He found in that over 90% of these cases, the parents said that the child they abused had been a wanted child. Mm-hmm. So wantedness of the mm-hmm. child had nothing to do with it. If we look at the number of cases, according to the Department of Health and Education and Welfare, In 1973, the year that abortion was legalized nationally, there was 167,000 cases of child abuse reported in the U.S. Mm -hmm. According to the National Child Abuse and Neglect Data System, which is a federally sponsored effort that collects and analyzes data on child abuse and neglect, in 2020, there was a reported 588,299 victims of child abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. This is a rate of 8.1 victims per thousand children in the population. If legalized abortion was supposed to save mm-hmm. from the issues of unwanted children and child abuse, why have those numbers, well, it seems like tripled. Yeah, risen drastically. There's a huge rise in those numbers. If, mm-hmm. if this was supposed to solve it, what happened? All these things that abortion is supposed to solve, it's not solving any of them. It's just making them worse. So abortion obviously isn't the answer. And I mean, you can go on and on about this topic, but I think mm-hmm. one of my dad's writings sums it up perfectly. And so here's the From the Mouth of Mark. It's from one of his blog writings called It's Cheaper to Kill Them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to paraphrase this because it's pretty long. So he said, when those of us who are pro-life object to government funding of abortion, one response we hear from the pro-choice lobby is that it is better to pay $300 for a welfare mom's abortion than pay thousands to raise her kid. Few arguments demonstrate the moral bankruptcy of the pro-choice mindset better than this one. If America really wants to base social policy on the argument that it's cheaper to execute a child than support one, then let's get serious about it. Let's start encouraging welfare moms to not only kill their unborn children, but their born children as well. Remember, the guiding principle behind this particular pro-choice argument is not morality, but saving money. So if we are willing to ignore the biological fact that the unborn children of the poor are living human beings, why should we care that their born children are living human beings? And by the way, have you ever noticed that the very people who say pro-lifers have no right to be involved in the abortion decision are the same people who say pro-lifers should be forced to pay for them? Yeah, very well said. Mm Mm-hmm. 
These are just a few of the greater good isms mm-hmm. that we've noticed from the pro-choice side. If you're listening to this and you think there's one that we've missed, a big glaring one, we want you to let us know. So on our website where we have this episode, of course, I always leave the link to that. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think mm-hmm. we missed and any of your other favorite pro-choice arguments that mm-hmm. you might like to hear us cover on right. this podcast. There's I don't know that I can necessarily <laughs> do it the justice that Mark could. Right. But There's I'll give so it a try. Ridiculous <laughs> ones. The list goes on and on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, thank you guys for joining us. We hope you got a lot out of this episode. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm. Until next time, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight. Mm-mm, we're here to win. Because winning is how the killing stops. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. <laughs>